You know, it is true that every time a holiday highlights a personal relationship, it's going to stir up a vast array of emotions uh, with different people in different ways because we all have different kinds of relationships, especially as it comes uh, to being around or thinking about our moms. So I just want to start by acknowledging that and just reminding every woman, especially in this place, that your identity is in Christ more than anything else. It's not in the accomplishments of your family. It's, it's not uh, in, in anything else other than who Christ says you are. And so today as we think about moms, uh, just know that no matter where you stand, whether you're a mom or want to be a mom, whether it's a difficult relationship with your mom or a great relationship with your mom, your ability to be fully known and fully loved is because of what Jesus Christ has done. And God's got a plan for you and can see you through in that. And I know that uh, many people are, uh, have a similar situation of like I do. I lost my mom 15 years ago. And so Mother's Day brings up those memories and some sweet and some difficult and these times like that. And so we just wanna acknowledge that. Uh, but at the same time, we wanna say, moms, you're awesome. Uh, moms, we couldn't do this without you. Moms, you are capable and praiseworthy. And uh, the, as you strive to honor the Lord, we want to come alongside you as well and support you in that journey. Just as we've talked about supporting kids in that journey today earlier, we're looking at doing that with moms. Dads, it's not your day, but that's okay. We want to support you as well uh, in that journey. And, and honestly, everyone is on this journey together as we want to honor the Lord. And as we highlight different relationships and aspects of that, and you point that out, it should all bring about things in each one of us that compel us to say, how can I better serve and follow the Lord? And so I, I want to draw your attention to Deuteronomy chapter six. And Brittany pointed this out a little bit earlier. This is, this is Moses as he's teaching the people of Israel, as they're about to go in and take the promised land that God has, has prepared for them. And he's talking to them about how they should live their lives and what will happen if they honor the Lord and they seek after him and how God will guide them and lead them in this. And he, he also speaks about what happens if, if, we, if we don't do that and, and where that may lead later on uh, in the passage as well. But we're all striving to, to seek out and to find this life that God has for us. And here's the truth. We're all working on this together. Different roles, different experiences, uh, different situations and circumstances in life. But look at how God's word speaks to us about how we should be striving to follow him. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in the first verse, this is the command the statutes and ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me, this is Moses speaking, me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. I like the fact that Moses said, I'm supposed to teach these to you so you actually do them. Not just to know them, but that I'm teaching these to you so that you follow them. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son, your grandson, so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper 
and multiply greatly because of the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. These are the instructions that they're getting before they walk into the land that God's saying, here's how you're gonna live. You follow my word, and as you follow my word, I love what it says in verse three there. Be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. You see, sometimes we look at God's commands and God's instructions and God's words And sometimes it may feel to us or seem to us that that God's maybe kind of guiding us in a direction that we don't understand or that I, I don't necessarily believe that maybe God knows what he's talking about in this situation or why would I do this. But God's commands and God's word are always guiding us to a life that can only be found in knowing and following him. And his desire is that his children would prosper. Does any parent in here have the desire that their children would prosper? Amen. We all want that. None of us are thinking, well, you know, kids are on their own. Just have at it. Go do your best. We all want what's best for our children. And God, in the same way, gives us his word so that we may prosper in him. And we all have this desire. But as you look through that passage, I think you'll notice the same thing that I did. Moses is not just speaking to parents. Though sometimes we look at this passage and, and, and we see the, the, the importance of speaking these truths to our children. So he is speaking to parents, but he's not speaking only to parents. We see that there is a responsibility for the whole here. And as Brittany has told us today, this is not, we're not just presenting the kids today. This is a child dedication service where we're making a commitment as a church family, just like these Parents are making a commitment to say, hey, we're going to do our best to follow the Lord and and his instructions and his way in raising our child. We as a church are saying we're going to follow the Lord in supporting not just these families, but one another as we're on this journey together. And because we all want what's best for our kids. We, we truly want what's best for the generations that follow us, no matter where you are. But there's just a truth that we need to understand at the bottom line as we start this, and that is that a genuine faith is demonstrated. It is not inherited. So we just want to be clear on that. Just because families are coming today and saying, we're going to do our best to raise this child, that doesn't mean that the child automatically just inherits this faith that the parent has. What they're saying is I'm going to do my best to demonstrate a genuine faith so that when they look at my life, they may see something within me that says that is worthy of following. And that one day we pray for each of these kids that one day they're going to come to that place in life where they make a personal decision to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and I want to follow him with my life. I want to live by his words and I believe that his commands and his ordinances and his ways are the way to life. That's why he writes these words where Moses says, this is the command, the statutes, the ordinance. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them. 
He wants them to follow them because he understands that this genuine faith has to be demonstrated. People have to see it. They can't just hear it. They can't just observe it from a distance. They, they have to interact with it. And so that's the importance of, like we said, it's though the parents are the primary role, we as a church come alongside and we support what parents are doing. And we begin to demonstrate aspects of faith in God's word and following them. And, and we pray for each one of these kids that God will just take over their life and that they will find true life in him. And so it all begins when we understand that the responsibility that we all have is to demonstrate a genuine faith. And the truth is, we're already passing something on. We just have to ask the question, what is it that we're passing on? Because everybody's watching, right? Not just our own kids, but man, our own kids. The first time that your kid does something and you go, where'd they get that? Oh, yeah, you know they're watching, right? So you're already passing something on. And we know that it's true that the people that we choose to surround ourselves with, they have a big influence on us, period. I can tell story after story after story of me hanging around people and being around people. And after I spend time with them, I find myself saying the words that they said or, or maybe even sometimes taking on mannerisms because I'm copying. Where did this come from? Oh, I'm spending a lot of time with this or that. So it's important who we choose to be around and we understand the influence that we all have on one another. And I think that shows up in another way and another truth that comes out of this passage is that I have a generational responsibility. We see that all in this passage. You see, this is not just a top-down way of doing this. This is true for all of us. We all have a responsibility to one another as we together say that we are seeking the Lord and want to follow him. This is true for parents to children, but it's also true for children to parents. It's true for older to younger, yes, but it's also true for younger to older. We're all in this to strive to follow and serve the Lord, and we want to help others along the way. That's where we're going to find life. So how do we live this out? How do we do this? Well, I want to share just a few things this morning that I hope will be an encouragement and a help for everyone in the room. And I especially hope for the parents and the new parents and those who are going through all of the joys and the challenges of raising children, that this will be an encouragement and a challenge for you as well along the way. So the first thing that I think that stands out to us in this passage for all of us is a very simple but profound truth, and that is loving God is my primary purpose. Loving God is my primary purpose. You know, there are a lot of things that come along in life that we may begin to think, well, I'm here to do this, or I was made for this, or this is my purpose, and this is my reason in life. And sometimes it can be a job. Sometimes it can be a relationship. It can be children. But the truth of the matter is your primary purpose is loving the Lord. That's our primary purpose. Everything else in life will fall in line after that. But if we get that out of order, then it's very difficult to do anything else. And I'll just say this To all of the parents in the room, you can be an outstanding parent for your children, but you're a lousy God. So you have to have God 
be God and you just focus on being the parent. Your primary purpose in life is to love God. And the reason we want to do that, as was already pointed out in the passage, so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. Moses says that so that we do that because God wants us to find life. God wants us to have purpose. God wants us to know him and have this incredible relationship with him so that we can have that connection with him and then be a blessing to other people. You know, Jesus, when he was approached and asked, What's the greatest commandment? He quoted from this passage here in Deuteronomy. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And then Jesus goes on and says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, first, our primary concern is to love God with everything we have. And then when we get that done well, then we have everything that we need so that we can give love to those around us. Whether it be a neighbor, a friend, a spouse, a child, your primary purpose is to love God, and then you will have everything that you need to love your neighbor as well. You know, sometimes we look at our situations in life, we look at our circumstances, we look at our stage of life, and the truth is, we look at it and go, I don't, I don't know necessarily how to navigate all the pieces of this. And so that's why God truly gives us this wonderful gift in simplifying it to say, you just focus on pouring yourself into me and all of these things will begin to come into place as time. But he also gives us one another to guide each other through these times. But along the way, if we're going to help each other out, there's another reality I think that comes, that comes to light as we focus on this. So let me just kind of lean in and say this to you this morning. It's better to be real than to be right. It's better to be real than to be right. I'd love to go back and tell uh, new parent Lyndall that. Because you just get this pressure on you. You're just like, I got to figure all this out. I got to know all these answers. I got to figure out how to do these things. And and I got to be able to answer all these questions. And then let's put parenting aside for just a minute. Sometimes just as a follower of Christ and culture, we get pressure of people going, well, why don't you know the answer to this? Or or what's going on with this? And, And there are times sometimes where you just get this overwhelming feeling of, I don't know all this stuff. And so therefore I must be less than what I need to be. And it can be overwhelming. But the truth is, it's better to just be real. We have a faith in God. That doesn't mean that we can explain everything about God. It means that we can just point to the one who we know knows everything and we can put our trust and our faith in him. And I understand about me personally that I'm not perfect. And so along the way, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do things wrong. And so if I'm always trying to put on this front that I've got it all right and everything's right all the time, then I'm going to miss the opportunity of showing and demonstrating a genuine faith in God that recognizes that God knows all the answers and God is good. And there's sometimes that I fail and I just need to put myself right back at his feet and say, God, can you pick me up and show me the way? I have reached seasons in my life when I look at it and go, I don't know how I'm supposed to navigate this and I need help doing this and I'm just pouring myself out to God. And we need others to be able to see that in our life. It's not always in the things that we get right that speak the most truth to people. It's sometimes in how we handle the things that we don't know or we don't understand or the realness in which we approach the situations of life. You know, 
Paul had reached a point in his walk with the Lord that he was truly striving for perfection. Actually, it's something we all should be doing. We shouldn't just give up so easy to go, well, you know, that's just me. I'm it. But Paul's truly striving for perfection. And, and there are some things that are holding them back. And, and we have this, this picture in scripture, they refer to it as the thorn in the flesh. And we don't exactly know what the thorn in the flesh is, but, but Paul is seeking the Lord saying, can you just take this out of my life? And, and the response that he gets from the Lord is this in 2 Corinthians, says that the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We don't have to have all the answers. And there should be a collective sigh for all parents in the room. We say that. Just a, we don't have to have all the answers because we know the one that does. But what our kids need to see from us and what others in the world need to see from us is a genuine faith. They need to see us live this out. They need to understand that there are times that we're not living based on having all the answers. We're living on faith in a God who we know that loves us and who has the best life imaginable for us when we choose to follow his will and his way. Not that we can explain it all the time. You know, I, I got a pretty incredible gift uh, later on in life. I, I had started to, I graduated college and had started to go to, to seminary. And at that point in time, my dad had recently retired uh, from his job and he was pastoring churches. He was pastoring a church. And my dad had gone to seminary in the 60s, but he hadn't finished because, you know, kids, hey, it was my fault. Um, we all showed up and he had to take care of a family. And so God kind of redirected his life for a season. And then now he's pastoring churches, but because he hadn't finished, I went and asked him, I said, Hey, what would it take for my dad to finish? And they said, well, he could just kind of pick up where he started. So I went home and I told my dad that I had, you know, checked on his transcript and, uh, you know, that gave him some pressure there. And then I said, they said, you could just come back and go. So this is what ended up happening. My dad actually signed up for that. And as a new parent, my dad would come and pick me up. And I only had one child at the time. It was just Julie and Timothy and I. My dad would pick me up on Monday mornings and we would drive four hours to Fort Worth and we'd go to seminary. And then we would drive four hours home once a week for a couple of semesters, we did this. And it's while I'm a new parent and dad's newly retired and he's doing some things. And of course, at that point in my life, I had always seen my dad in a certain way. You know what I mean? And you just hadn't really grown up or hadn't had these experiences. But then we actually on those trips with eight hours in a car every Monday got to talk about real things. Like how my dad hated it when he would come home and all the children would scatter because the words were, you just wait till your father gets home. And then dad would come home and we'd all go, oh no, dad's home. <laughs> you know, we're all there. And he's like, man, I just break my heart because I'd worked all day. I want to come home and see my kids. And then y'all had just kind of been kids and, you know, and I had to come home and lay down the law and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that kind of broke my head. I started getting all these, all these things along the way of going, oh, well, that's what I could do, or that's what it means. I, I began to talk with him about things that I'd never talked with him about before. And I began to see the real part of, of the struggles and the things along the way. And I heard him actually admit some mistakes 
along the way and, and talk to me about things in a real way that helped me go, okay, th- this is how faith works. It's not getting it right all the time because you do understand, right? If, if people only see us get it perfect all the time, which we never will, then, then what begins to happen is when people do make mistakes, they begin to maybe process that in a way that's not real healthy. They begin to think, oh no, maybe something's wrong with me or maybe God doesn't like me as much, but we need to help people navigate through the bumps in the road just as much as we navigate the hilltops in life. We've gotta be real. And so as a parent, you just need to take some pressure off of yourself and say what our kids need more than anything else is for you to love God with all that you have and for you to demonstrate a faith that is genuine, not a faith that is perfect because that's impossible. And along the way, that will help point them in this direction. And then you also need to trust this, that I'm not in this alone. I'm not in this alone. No matter who you are, this is what I love about this. Moses has the whole nation of Israel there, and he's talking to them about these things. So just stop for a minute and imagine who all's there. Every age and stage of life is represented as he's speaking these things. All kinds of circumstances and situations and experiences are represented. And he's saying, we together are going to follow God's word and God's way as he leads us to the promised land. That's what we're trying to do. And we're not doing this by ourselves. And it's not just up to you or those that that you just see all the time. We're in this together. God gives us one another along the way so that we can support and love one another and demonstrate this genuine faith. And, And the more that you surround yourself with people who have life experiences and perspective and knowledge that you don't have, then the more that you're going to be able to follow God's word in that way. You understand that, right? Now that that doesn't always relate to age. Sometimes it's just experience. Sometimes, I mean, there's some 16 year olds in this room that have been through more in life than some 50 year olds in this room have been just because of the way that life's hand has been dealt with them. But we're in this together to learn and support and encourage one another. We're not in this alone. And so who you surround yourself with as you walk this journey is important. Who you allow to be an influence and a part of your life is important. And that doesn't just mean if you're a teenager, that means no matter what part of life you're in right now, who you choose to walk life with matters. And so God gives us one another to say, we can do this together. Solomon reminds us in Ecclesiastes, he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So there's all kinds of reminders in scripture that God has given us one another. We're not supposed to be in this by ourselves. You're not the lone ranger out there all by yourself trying to do this. So God wants to walk with you in that and God has given us one another. Even if there are relationships in your life that you wish you had that you don't have right now, you're still not in this alone. God is walking with you and God has given us one another to be able to do life together. And so the bottom line of this passage, I think, really can be spelled out pretty simply. It says, when I live out God's word, that's when I find life. 
He's saying if you will follow God's way and God's word as you go into the land that he's prepared for you, then you will find life. That's the path to life. So it might sound pretty simple, but we know that sometimes it's difficult. But what we're all trying to do is say, God, I want to follow you. I want to acknowledge that you are Lord and Savior. And I want to do everything I can to follow your word and your way because I trust that I'm going to find life in doing that. And no matter what situation in life you're in, no matter what age of life you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, that is the path to life. And that's where we need to focus and support one another together in this. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a kid, or just someone, that's where we're all in here together. And I know from the overwhelming promises of God's word that as we continue to pursue him with all that we have and seek out his word and find life, that he tells us over and over and over that he will lead us on the path to life. It may not always be easy, but the psalmist even reminds us that even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. So pursue God with all that you have and everything else will come into place. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment?